Good morning, and welcome to this edition of China Takes Over the World. I am Ying Ma. A few weeks ago, the U.S. Department of Justice announced that it had indicted five members of the Chinese People's Liberation Army for cyber espionage against companies such as Alcoa, Westinghouse, and United Steel Corporation. Not surprisingly, China has reacted angrily to these charges and accused the U.S. of fabrication. With us to discuss the world of cyber espionage and how it affects Sino-American relations is David Sanger, chief Washington correspondent. Of the New York Times, David. Welcome to the show. Great to have you with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Well, the U.S. government has been co- complaining about Chinese cyber espionage for decades.、Uh, in fact, officials say that Chinese espionage accounts for nearly 300 billion a year in stolen intellectual property and lost business to American companies. Obviously, didn't this didn't happen overnight? Why do you think President Obama's predecessors never took the step of indicting Chinese hackers? Well, it's an interesting question, and it's also an interesting question why the president himself didn't take the step for the first Earlier,、sure. five or six years of his presidency. You know,、um, cyber espionage, as you said, is nothing new, but it has stepped up quite dramatically、uh, in the past few years. And、uh, you may recall a long story that we wrote、uh, in February of 2013 about Unit Six One Three Nine Eight, which is a PLA unit just outside of Shanghai.、Mm-hmm. Uh, and based on some work that、uh, was done by Mandiant Corporation, and then、uh, which is reports, a cybersecurity a, a cybersecurity firm, cyber security firm、uh, and that is now part of FireEye, and、uh, and then also reporting that we had done, we basically lined up the group called Comet Crew, which is a very famous Chinese hacking group,、uh, with this PLA unit and.、Uh, Sort of track the attacks back to their big headquarters,、um, and it's this group that ultimately got indicted、uh, at this time. I think that the indictment happened in part out of the frustration that the administration had that their previous diplomatic efforts to try to get the Chinese to take this issue seriously had basically failed. The president had、uh, brought it up quite directly with、uh, Xi Jinping, China's then new president. Uh, at their meeting at Sunnylands in California last summer,、uh, and I think there was an expectation that、uh, there would be some serious work done on it by the Chinese, and instead the attacks continued. Well, presumably other presidents have brought up this issue with the Chinese too, and, and most likely their behavior didn't change either. Not really. I mean, what's interesting is that cyber was until recently. Considered an issue at the periphery of the relationship, that、uh, there were much bigger questions how to go deal with、uh, China's relationship with North Korea, with Iran, Chinese nuclear buildup, Taiwan, all of these others, and the cyber issues were sort of relegated as an annoyance in the economic relationship.、And、I think the difference in what President Obama was doing in the second term, starting the beginning of the second term. Was to say no. This is moving to the center of our relationship. Okay. Well, the U.S. government itself conducts cyber attacks against foreign nationals, companies, and governments for national security purposes. But unlike China, it doesn't steal IP. Intellectual property right, trade secrets, and, and confidential corporate information to give it to domestic private act- actors like Microsoft or Apple. Obviously, Beijing doesn't recognize this distinction. But what about other countries around the world? Is this distinction made by the U.S. something that's 
commonly recognized by... It's not. It's actually a pretty unique American distinction, which is what makes this an interesting argument. I mean, obviously the French have been big um, uh, collectors of economic uh, and uh, trade secret data, uh, intellectual property for a long time. Uh, I think that there are two or three things going on here. One is that the U.S. is trying to write some global rules and would like it written on American terms. And those terms go to this issue that, you know, if the U.S. does its surveillance, as all countries do, it argues it only does it for uh, purposes of national security. And as you say, don't they don't give the results to American firms that are competing with China. The Chinese don't see this distinction because, first of all, their economic security, they view as a central part of their of their national security. Uh, I think the second reason that uh, the Chinese reject this is that they have read in the Snowden leaks and others uh, that the United States goes into Chinese companies like Huawei, the big maker of, right. of computer servers, something I wrote about uh, earlier this year. And the U.S. says if they do that, and of course they don't admit to going into Huawei, they do it because they were trying to figure out whether Huawei was a unit of the people. Right, right. That whatever, if they did that and whatever they ended up finding, they weren't giving that information over to Cisco, for that's instance. That's right. And so the Chinese view is that's an interesting distinction without a difference. <laughs> well, Richard Clark, a former special advisor to President George W. Bush, has said that no matter what other countries do when it comes to cyber attacks, nobody does it on the scale of the Chinese government. So even the French, who are quite fond of economic espionage as well, have, you know, that, that the U.S. has more leverage with them and they, they've been more willing to address their behavior um, to to uh, sort of assuage U.S. concerns. But so isn't China just different by the by nature of how much more it steals compared to everybody else in the cyber world? Well, there is there is certainly greater volume on the part of the Chinese. And if you ask people what's the sort of order of skills here, they will tell you that the Chinese do the most and do it mostly of a commercial nature. But they do worry that the same technology that allows you to steal data would also allow you to conduct computer attacks and exploitation. In other words, do more than surveillance, but actually attack computer systems. Um, the, the Russians are much more selective, but probably a bit more skilled. Further down the line uh, are the Iranians and the North Koreans. Uh, they've done more in the territory of attack, but in some cases theft as well. Uh, their attacks have usually been a little more blunderbuss, denial of service attacks, which keep you from getting onto a computer system. Nothing quite as sophisticated as the one very famous attack the United States did uh, on uh, on Iran, the operation known as Olympic Games, which was designed to disable their uh, their nuclear centrifuges. But one of the fears about China is that they could at some point move easily from collection of data to actual attack. Mm -hmm. Have you run across senior business executives or government officials in the U.S. who feel that their government should change its policy of not spying for the benefit of individual companies? I have not. And in part, that's because when you've got the Chinese system, they're stealing the data and then turning it over to state-run companies. But let's say for a moment that the United States did change its approach and it came up with, 
you know, intellectual property from China they wanted to share. And frankly, right now, the Chinese don't have a whole lot that I think the U.S. Is, is looking for in the way of design data and so forth. But let's say they did. So what do you do? Do you give it to Google on even-numbered weeks and, and Microsoft on odd-number weeks? And how do you figure out who you give it to? Well, I suppose <laughs> if there's a will, there's a way. But, um, but, but I was interested just to hear. But you can imagine the lawsuit. Sure. You know, um, I mean, we've just got a, a very different kind of system, and that wouldn't be a role for the United States government. Talk about picking winners. I mean, that would really be that would really be picking winners. Well, we have been speaking with uh, David Sanger, chief Washington correspondent of the New York Times. David, thank you. Thank you. Please send us your comments on Facebook at facebook.com slash China Takes Over or on Twitter at Rising China. This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma. Good morning. This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma. We are delighted to welcome to the program Dr. Larry Wurzel, a commissioner of the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission, an entity created by the U.S. Congress to examine the national security implications of the bilateral trade and economic relationship between the United States and the People's Republic of China. Larry, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, I'm very pleased to be here, Ying. Well, um, your commission has reported that after Mandiant, a private U.S. security, uh, cybersecurity firm, uh, came out and publicly shamed um, a cyber threat group from the People's Liberation Army, and, and this particular group obviously was implicated when the U.S. Department of Justice indicted five members of the PLA. Um, your commission has reported that this public shaming of the of that particular cyber threat group has not actually deterred it from continuing to engage in cyber espionage. So do you think that the Obama administration's indictment now of members of that group would actually make a difference? Uh, no, I don't. I, I think uh, it's very important uh, to to point out that these things go on. Uh, I think China is uh, and the People's Liberation Army and the Ministry of State Security are very active in conducting cyber espionage. Um, and in my opinion, the the indictment uh, accomplishes a couple of things. Uh, first of all, it it sets a precedent in U.S. courts for legal action under. Uh, the Economic Espionage Act, uh, and that's very important. Uh, second, it, it sets a precedent that other countries, particularly American allies, uh, that are suffering the same sorts of penetrations and loss of intellectual property uh, might use in their own legal system. And third, uh, it allows, it, it has the potential to allow uh, countries that suffer from intellectual espionage and can track down who did it uh, to pursue the loss of their intellectual property uh, in the WTO or another world courts. 
Now, let me take a second. I think it's important to understand that all countries conduct espionage, and all countries can probably can, that are capable of it would conduct electronic or cyber espionage. Uh, what distinguishes what China is doing is that they're taking intellectual property and turning it over to their own corporations, whether state-owned or, uh, or conglomerates, and using that to gain market edge uh, and to undermine other brands. And by doing that, they're cutting short their research and development time and expenditures. Uh, and the, United, the United States doesn't do that. And, and the U.S. government has obviously made clear that it doesn't steal information from, let's say, China Telecom and, you know, come back to the U.S. and give it to Verizon or AT&T, for instance. Uh, but whatever the merits of this debate, obviously, U.S. companies do not want to have their information stolen by um, by foreign hackers, uh, what should the U.S. government do to combat China's cyber theft against U.S. companies? Well, uh, let me just make one more point on this. There's a fourth uh, advantage to the Obama administration's actions. I don't think it's going to stop cyber espionage, but the five individuals that were indicted can no longer travel to any country where the United States has an extradition treaty, nor can they ever, ever travel to the United States. Well, now, but perhaps they weren't planning on traveling to the U.S. in the first place. I guarantee you that of all the people employed by the third or fourth department of the People's Liberation Army that can be identified, some might. Some might want to go to college in Australia. Some might want to go on a shopping trip down to Mexico. Well, but is is the but, U.S. strategy it, it now? Won't, it won't stop the espionage, but it it also has the potential to have somewhat a demoralizing effect on some of these really low-level actors in the People's Liberation Army. And also, it'll probably make the PLA much more careful about what they do. Well, is the, is, but is the strategy now from the U.S. to just keep, keep indicting these people who work for the PLA and conduct cyber espionage. Um, I mean, obviously, the PLA has an army of these people who conduct cyber espionage. So in order for the deterrent to work properly, wouldn't the U.S. government have to continue with its indictment strategy on an ongoing basis? I don't know whether the Justice Department will continue to to indict people uh, or, or what the overall strategy is. Uh, by the Obama administration. Uh, I, I do know that the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Justice are quite serious about continuing to pursue these cases and uh, to, to track and pursue cyber espionage. I know that it is a coordinated action uh, across the government uh, that is 
orchestrated uh, through the National Security Council and uh, the Department of Homeland Security uh, is probably the principal actor here. Okay. Well, the indictment only focuses on economic espionage, but according to the U.S. government, Chinese hackers have stolen and continue to steal a massive amount of top-secret information from the U.S. Department of Defense, its contractors, and other U.S. government agencies. In fact, since the indictment, we've also uh, seen reports about uh, another unit of the PLA that has been trying to steal information in the space and satellite industry. So um, does Washington actually have in place a comprehensive framework for addressing China's ongoing cyber espionage of of not just economic uh, secrets, but also U.S. national security secrets? I, I think they do. And uh, I don't know if you you have seen uh, the book I published in 2013, uh, The Dragon Extends Its Reach, but I've got a chapter there on uh, uh, cyber espionage and electronic espionage that that lays out a a number of units all around China, uh, including one, uh, that was cited in this November 9th article. Uh, I'm looking at the New York Times on a second China unit, this, the space unit. But they have many more. And, and the U.S. government's aware of them. It's very clear. The U.S. government's able to identify them. Um, I think it's important to recognize that the uh, under the criminal statutes, the elements of proof, for espionage are much higher than for economic espionage. And uh, of all the cases brought uh, by the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Justice Department uh, over, I would say, the past five or six years for, for different forms of human espionage, cyber and electronic espionage, uh, you, you really won't find an espionage conviction. They've got a lot of convictions, but the convictions were either for economic espionage or for violations of the Arms Export Control Act uh, or the um, uh, the export of controlled items. So it, it, it uh, it's harder, even though you know espionage was conducted, uh, to, to get the elements of proof under the espionage. Sure, sure. So, but putting aside what's happening on the legal front, it is obviously the U.S. can't go and try to indict or sue everybody who it believes is conducting cyber. Uh, cyber espionage against the United States. But it, it, does the U.S. have? The is it sufficiently prepared for these cyber exchanges with China? So, I mean, the the recent indictment from the DOJ has focused so much on economic espionage, but but you know, in an event of let's say cyber warfare, is is the U.S. sufficiently prepared for cyber warfare with China? Oh, I think they're doing pretty well on that front, and they ha- we have been ahead of the Chinese that way for a number of years. Uh, so it's a fairly comprehensive uh, infrastructure 
that the United States has put in place. Uh, it, it, one of the, the weaknesses, I would say, is that we're not quite able uh, to do as much with the critical infrastructure uh, because it's all run by private companies. So that has to be a, a uh, private government partnership effort. Uh, but inside the military, inside the government, I think there's a, a strong program uh, monitoring the networks. There's uh, both defensive and probably offensive operations uh, that that uh, the government's capable of conducting. Well, but, well, before these DOJ indictments, China and the U.S. had begun a cyber dialogue. Um, what concrete results ha- have the dialogue yielded and um, and is diplomatic dialogue really um, the way to solve the cyber issue? None that I know of. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm serious. Uh, from everything I know, uh, we're really on cross paths, cross tracks. We're we're talking past each other. The, the Chinese are using the dialogue to try and impose greater restrictions on the Internet and limit Internet freedom uh, and impose uh, and the, the sorts of internal controls they have on freedom of expression on the whole Internet, whereas the U.S. is trying to stop the loss of intellectual property and stop cyber attacks. I, the, the one, perhaps, uh, the one positive result is that both sides uh, have acknowledged that a cyber attack can be an act of war. Do we at this point have a trigger? Like, is there or is there something that the U.S. government uses to determine what kind of cyber act constitutes an act of war? I, I would imagine that that's going to that's going to vary by administration. Uh, probably by the assessment of the damage of an event. Uh, and I, I don't think you would find anybody that could articulate, a, you know, a complete red line on it. I, I think the, the one true uh, event that could create uh, an act of war would be an attack on the command and control system for nuclear weapons. I see, I see. Well, we've been speaking to Dr. Larry Wartzel, Commissioner of the U.S.-China Economic and Security Review Commission. Larry, thank you for chatting with us. All right, happy to do it. Please send us your comments on Facebook at facebook.com slash China Takes Over or on Twitter at Rising China. This is China Takes Over the World, and I am Ying Ma. Mm-hmm.